Hey everybody, so we're doing something new and we are doing a new episode series type deal called Unfiltered. Honestly, I have no idea why we're doing it. Uh, we had a few people that were like, hey Phil, you should do this. I don't know why, but here it is. Uh, if you guys like it, awesome. If not, blame it on Taylor. So pretty much all this is going to be is me ranting for like 15 minutes every so often. Again, I don't know why. People just wanted to hear it. If you don't want to hear it, that's fine. You'll let us know somewhere. I know that. But anyways, yeah, Warren Filter. So what is it? Just me ranting for, I don't know, 15 or so minutes. Yeah. Why am I doing it? I don't know. People ask. I don't even want to. It's awkward. I'm sitting in a room by myself talking to literally nobody. Uh, I don't even know if we're actually going to post this. So I'm just literally talking to an invisible audience that I will likely never meet. So that's fun. Really awkward. But hey, it happens. So uh, some of the topics that we're going to talk about today is kind of all over the board. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is why missing church is stupid. Now, I know a lot of people will try to make stupid arguments and try to justify their, their lack of attendance or their lack of connection to a local church, really. Uh, and it's dumb all the way around. So if you look at the New Testament, the majority of it, you know, we got um, Acts was written about starting the early church. And you got Romans, which was written to a local congregation. First and Second Corinthians were written to local congregations. First and Second Thessalonians were written to a local congregation. Same with Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. So I don't know how anyone can say they've read the Bible for any length of time, knowing that the very beginning of these books say uh, to the church at Corinth or to the church at uh, Rome, you know, whatever, and come away thinking, oh, Paul wrote the majority of the New, or a large portion of the New Testament to these people. Clearly, we can miss church. I don't know why people think that's the case. But, yeah, it's, it's really... If you are a believer and you think that Jesus Christ has died for your sins, I, I don't understand why you do not want to connect to other believers. Now, I get it. People get hurt in church all the time. Heck, I, I've been hurt by the church. <clears throat> but you don't stop worshiping Christ the way that he's commanded because other people have hurt you. And that's another thing that kind of frustrates me about the whole deconstruction movement. Like, I get that there's certain things that you should look at, like certain preconceived notions and presuppositions of the faith that you've had from birth that you should look at and you should evaluate to find out if they're really biblical or not. You should compare it through the lens of scripture. I've done that. I was raised in a very uh, dispensational context. I am now historic premillennial because I looked at that issue and I looked at that and I said, is it biblical? And I changed my position. This is going to trigger a lot of people, but hey, it happens. I used to be reformed. I uh, subscribed to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. I am no longer reformed. I looked at my beliefs and i came to a conclusion based on what i felt the scripture said through significant study and through significant time in prayer that's fine if you want to change your position on something because you've looked at it through the lens of the bible hey go for it you, you if you're a christian for anything more than 10 minutes that's going to happen the problem is when you look at your 
beliefs and your presuppositions through the lens of culture, you end up with the deconstruction movement, which is just very inconsistent atheism. All it does is it seeks to strip away the basis of the of the biblical faith. And yeah, there some people will say that, you know, it's about church hurt and stuff like that. But you know what? If you're hurt by the church, you don't stop worshiping God. I mean, I'm not going to stop hanging out my, with my wife. I'm not going to stop loving my wife because I hate her friends. Am I? No, that'd be stupid. So, yeah, I don't understand that. <clears throat> See, and this is what Unfiltered is pretty much going to be. It's just me ranting. I'm not really going to be on any sort of list or topic or anything like that. Uh, just kind of go see where it takes us. So yeah, that's my, my issue with the whole deconstruction movement. Going back to why missing church is stupid. Uh, why, why the Bible tells us, it clearly tells us to do it. Do not forsake the assembling of the saints. We see Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Corinthians, Rome or Romans. We see these books written to local congregations. We see Paul going on missionary journeys to establish churches. We see the early church being developed and started in Acts. If the emphasis of the New Testament is placed on and written to churches, why do we think that it doesn't matter? That's just my question that I have. If you can answer that, go for it. You're going to be wrong, but you will sure try. So, anyways, moving along. Next thing some people wanted to hear about is why Nicholas Sparks is a literary genius. Now, I know that came out of left field, and trust me, when I first read The Notebook or first watched The Notebook, my love for this man came out of left field, too. Do you really think that I enjoyed having to admit this to people in public? <clears throat> I apparently really like Nicholas Sparks, and I, I fully admit that. Safe Haven is probably one of my favorite books. Uh, here's a little fun little anecdote. When my wife and I were engaged back in, this must have been 2013? Late 2012, early 2013. No, it was February of 2013. That's when it was, because it was Valentine's Day. My wife and I fiance now wife decided to go to the movies we were young bible college students in the middle of nowhere kentucky very little to do so we decided to go to the movies at the time i just finished reading safe haven so i thought i'm gonna take my wife to go see safe haven it's a beautiful love story it's gonna be great my wife thought i was gonna go take her to see the new die hard uh we watched safe haven and one of us was disappointed uh, and I will say that I was thrilled to see that because the plot twist at the end was mwah, magnificent. So, but it's not, it's not just Safe Haven. I mean, you, the notebook was just, oh, it's a beautiful story. So I don't know how anyone can read the book or even watch the movie and think, this guy's overrated. He's not. He's a genius. And anyone that says otherwise is wrong. The Notebook is the third greatest love story to have ever been written. The first one is Jesus Christ in the church. The second one is Crocodile Dundee. Now, I know you're just thinking, Phil's going crazy. But let me explain something to you. Crocodile Dundee, we see Mick Dundee fall in love with a New Yorker and move to New York. And we see the iconic, that's not a knife, this is a knife, happens in New York. So he traveled all the way across the world. That's like a 23-hour flight. I don't like being in a car for five minutes. I'm not going to sit in a plane for 23 hours. Now I know he's thinking, oh, you're married. Yeah, but my wife hates flying too, so I'm not going to have to face this hypothetical situation. 
But anyways, Mick, Mick Dundee travels all the way back, and then she falls in love with him, and they get married, and they, it, it, it's a beautiful story. It transcends culture, time, all that stuff. Well, not really time, it's not back to the future. Anyways, so it's a great story. And if you're going to make fun of me for it, that's fine. You're wrong. So watch The Notebook. Watch Safe Haven. I'm currently listening to The Wish on Audible. My wife and I started it the last time we drove up to Ohio. Uh, I'm still listening to it. She doesn't know that. So she's not going to listen to this anyway, so just don't tell her. So the next thing people wanted to hear about was my thoughts on Ukraine and Russia. Uh, we caused a bit of a controversy when we talked about this on the page. So, yeah. Anyways, I, I just find it odd that in the last month we have seen Ukraine and Russia go toe-to-toe. This was at one point in time Russia was seen as the third largest military and the third most powerful military in the world. And in less than a month, they have become the third most powerful military in Ukraine. Right behind the Ukrainian military, and then Ukrainian farmers. These people have somehow managed to show the entire world that they are nothing but talk. Yeah, sure, they have nukes, but most other countries, or a lot of other countries do. India has nukes, France has nukes, but we know France is not going to do anything. So, you know what? I'm not really worried about it. I mean, it's Russia. It's not like they can come over here. I mean, if you look at the ge- geography and the logistics of moving a true invading force across oceans and stuff like that, it's not going to happen. Why? Because Russia has one aircraft carrier, and it has to be towed by an ocean-going tug because it's so bad. When you get stationed or you know sent to serve on this boat, it's considered a punishment. They're not going to be able to invade the United States, and if, even if they did, you got they invade from the West Coast. They, you, well, California is going to be a breeze; they just blow right through that. But once you get to like Nevada and Arizona, you're pretty much dealing with desert Florida, man. Arizona's nuts. But if you come from the East Coast, yeah, you got New York. That's going to be a breeze. New York. Massachusetts is crazy because you got all of those Bostonians, uh, which is between Boston and Dunkin' Donuts. That's pretty much all they got going for up there. We got the Bostonians, and those guys are crazy. If, if they see anyone even speak somewhat negatively about the Red Sox. They'll kill you and your family. So what do you think they're going to do if Russia tries to invade Boston? I mean, it's going to it's not going to be end terribly for them. But not only that, going down the West or East Coast, you've got North Carolina and South Carolina. That's just mountainous Florida, man. Then you got Florida, which is Florida, man. You've seen the headlines. Florida man throws alligator through a uh, drive through window. Florida man cooks meth in Walmart toy section. Florida man is crazy. We Honestly, we can just let Florida man loose. Not even the entire state of Florida. Just Florida man. Just any random man from Florida and let him take on Russia. And we'll be fine. So, I'm not really worried about this. I think it's getting blown up a portion. I mean, yeah, there's something we got to be worried about. Because Putin is... Uh, crazy, but we also need to recognize that we shouldn't take this man seriously. Why? Well, because he's named after a fart. My seven-year-old daughter cannot hear me talk about the Russian situation without her giggling like a clown getting tickled by a midget. She giggles so hard whenever I say, and I just say his name, Vladimir Putin. (laughs) You said poot. Yeah, that's who we're dealing with. 
and I imagine that in 20 years we're going to have another Napoleon complex, except it's going to be a Vladimir complex. And that's just going to be someone that gets super angry whenever someone says something about their name. So, yeah, that's what I think about that. Another thing that I think is crazy about this whole situation is the fact that we're about to enter World War III. And for once, Germany's on a good side. You look at what happened in World War I. What happened? Germany got mad and started the entire war. What happened in World War II? A tiny mustached Austrian who was in Germany got mad and started an entire war. And they took on the world. I mean, they had help with like Italy and you know Japan in World War II. And then, yeah, the alliances and all that stuff with World War I. That was crazy. But yeah, Germany for once is on the right side, which kind of also has me worried. I know I kind of said I wasn't worried about this, but now that I'm thinking about it, we have Germany on the side of our side. And historically speaking, they are not good with world wars. They've lost both of them. So if there's a third... And you got the unstoppable juggernaut that is the United States, you know, back-to-back World War champs. And then you got Germany. So I don't know what's going to... It's anybody's game at this point. I mean, if we can get Ukrainian farmers on our side, I think we'll be good. But you got Germany and the United States on one side. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I don't know how it's going to end up. But we shall see. So now that we're kind of like wrapping this whole thing up, uh, there's one thing I do have to address. This is uh, requested by uh, Mr. Taylor. For those of you that don't know, he is the red bearded guy that uh, works with us on Dude. He wanted to know my opinion on the most whelming time in American history. Not the most overwhelming, not the most underwhelming, but just the most whelming. So I guess like the most mundane. Well, not that'd be underwhelming. So I guess like just is the most average day. I'm gonna say 1900. 1900 because this was right after. I mean not right after, but we kind of distanced ourselves from the Civil War. We're about 35 years out from a president being shot. We're one year before another president was killed. Uh, the only thing, the only thing that happened that year that is worth any notability is the uh foraker act i believe that's what it is but that's where puerto rico gained like half citizenship they were like kind of like half admitted into the united states they weren't kicked out which would be underwhelming because we wouldn't gain another state uh but they weren't admitted because that would be overwhelming because we would gain another state they were kind of just like admitted 1900 is pretty much the year where the united states decided to troll puerto rico like, oh yeah, we'll take you. Ish. We'll take on you can you can you can be a citizen. You can get heck, you can use American currency. You can't vote, but you can use our dollar. Then in nineteen hundred what happens? Well William McKinley gets shot and killed. Uh so that was kind of overwhelming. Same thing with the whole Lincoln getting shot thirty five years before. So yeah, that's kind of my opinion on the most whelming period it was nineteen hundred. Like there was events but nothing like notable or nothing really newsworthy i mean nothing against puerto rico but they weren't admitted and they weren't like kind of sent out they were just kind of like taken on as like a stepbrother so yeah so taylor there you go that's your answer the most whelming period of time would be 1900 so yeah take it for what it is just a fat guy that makes memes opinion on random things. If you like it, awesome. If you don't, 
we won't do it again. I don't care. It's no different to me. I'm sitting in my living room randomly talking to nobody. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. If not, let us know. Actually, let us know either way. You can email us at deuteronomypod at gmail.com. That is D-U-D-E-R-O-N-O-M-Y pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Uh, We may do more. We may not do more. It's up to y'all. So uh, with that said, y'all have a good one.